This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. Welcome. My name is Nick. And I'm John. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 8 of the show titled Kiksuya. We will not be discussing the next time on preview at the end of the episode, but we will be spoiling everything through Season 2, Episode 8 of the series, so please pause and go catch up if you're not current on the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet. That's patreon.com slash m-i-d-w-e-s-t-p-o-d-n-e-t to pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K., who's pledged at the level of $10 a month. I was thinking about replacing that with something that I don't have to spell out every single time necessarily, or something that's shorter at least. And uh, uh, the only thing I could think of was Alex's tears. <laughs> but then I feel like people who didn't listen to Film Nerds would just be like, what? Won't get it. Yeah. So Deep cut. <clears throat> yeah. Um so one thing in the corrections department from me, because I noticed it on Reddit, uh, the spec ops dude didn't shoot Angela in the cradle because there was an earlier line that Elsie hears over the comms that says a gunfight in there would light the whole place up. Yep. So that scene makes a little bit more sense, but is still infuriating and not very good. In I wonder what the rationale is for for that like what what is what is it about the cradle that makes it so combustible well like i was wondering if it was the coolant but i'm pretty sure there's a jonathan nolan quote out there saying that they are cooled by water so Hmm. water's not explosive but maybe like destroying the water would cause the host brains to overheat because of the cortical fluid situation causing bernard to overheat kind of thing i don't know maybe Oh well, there's a apparently there's a line in there that <laughs> yeah, that explains, explains away the away. problem. Uh, we did get some feedback this week. Jeremy over on Facebook wrote to us and said, "Listening to the podcast and you're discussing the benefit of the hosts removing the cradle. I don't think it was planned. I think the writers saw the lack of stakes with immortal hosts and had to write in a reason to get rid of them." Dolores says in removing the cradle that they're getting rid of one more shackle or chain, but it would make more sense if they were getting rid of it so humans couldn't adjust the programming of the backup hosts to make them more passive or docile uh, to prevent them from fighting back in the future should the hosts lose. If they saw the potential infinite selves as brothers and sisters to be exploited by humans and they would just abide by the possibility, but no, just some generic line about chains or some such. Of course, this could be an indicator that Dolores isn't truly woke, but running a woke simulator program. She was pretty much told to be woke where Maeve chose wokeness. Uh, I think it's very interesting. I, 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 I mean, I've been saying that since like the first two episodes that I thought 
Dolores is just running extra programming. Like yeah. she's not actually woke. She's just she's under another form. She's under the Wyatt program. Uh, program and uh, Ford's still controlling her somehow. Just executing the commands. Yep. Woke dot execute. That's entirely yep. possible. I I don't. I mean, in in my opinion, the hosts are still more invincible than humans are. You know, they can still come back. They just need to be externally copied somehow. But. They know all of this technology exists for them to be able to like reproduce themselves that way. So, I don't think it eliminates that specter necessarily, but it is still a slightly questionable decision, yeah. strategically. Yeah, but I mean, I, like we, I think we kind of talked about this last week that the choice between trying to hold that position for eternity, yeah, because Delos will stop at nothing. To recover. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although it is interesting if the rules of how fragile the cradle is had been more clearly established, then it might be, you know, easier to understand how it might potentially be easier to defend if it became like a stalemate, like of we've rigged the place to blow. And if you come within, you know, X amount of feet, we'll just we'll take it. everything out. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Possibly. Oh, well. Thank you, Jeremy, for writing in. Uh, we also got some feedback from our friend Nevi. He said, hi, Nick, Alex, and John. I liked episode seven, and I look forward to how it'll all wrap up. But my main gripe with season two is that I can't find anyone to root for. Neither the murderous robots nor the murderous humans. Not Ford, not Charlotte, not William, and not Maeve. I like her character, but her quest is, mo- is boring. Bernard, as an unreliable, unreliable narrator, is hard to connect with, and I'm not even sure if Elsie's still alive. The other non-awful person is Emily. I'm curious, what do you guys want to see? Who do you want? To, who do you guys want to see prevail in the end? I'm going to pause here. I think this this episode gave us a bit of a hero to kind of cheer for. Yeah, for sure. In in Akechita or Akichita or however you want to say it. Aki. Aki is as how they abbreviated it. So that's how I'll say it from here on out. But uh, Nevi goes on to say, also, where do you think Maeve's arc will go? Her searching for her daughter is getting old. I doubt fans will want to watch her on the run with a child in tow. Since Maeve seems to be the most self-aware, do you think in future seasons she'll transcend human-style consciousness and evolve to a higher hybridized consciousness that would distance her emotionally from humanity, a la Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen? Would she eventually be able to anticipate outcomes and rival Ford? By the way, please keep the Westworld jokes coming. Thank you, Nevi, for Thanks, writing Nevi. in. Thank you. I feel like we haven't heard from Nevi in a while. Uh, he wrote in a couple episodes back. Did he? But, um, I? No, I, th- I now am, after this episode, I'm solidly behind Aki. I think he's probably the most virtuous character the show has given us, mm-hmm. period. For sure. So I think that's pretty awesome. Although I'm inviting any emails that reveal his true nature to me if anybody out there has some other stance on it or is thinking about it differently but i don't know if you got i mean i don't know i think i tend to side more with arnold and there are this is the next evolution of humans this is the next creation that I think. Yeah, well, until we actually have like Arnold back in the story, which I'm guessing that's where this is all going. Is like I don't know. We don't really know. Yeah, but uh, like I, I like Arnold's story arc personally. I think Maeve's pretty much done for, um, hmm. which is sad. But because uh, she finally reached a point of like being really awesome. Yeah. Like I think, I mean, we're, obviously, I can talk about what happens in this episode yeah. here, right? So. Uh, her being wired in 
is like what a fatal mistake on that text part man that dude is done <laughs> he's so done and that's that's like she's she's even more powerful now in my opinion like what that's she's interesting. what she's capable of doing and like the fact that he like hale explains at that point like she's doing it right now like why haven't they pulled the cords yet like they're just i didn't see her being hardwired in as being uh, well, they, they don't reveal it until the very end of the episode, so you're kind of no. just left there at like, oh, holy shit kind of moment. It like, just, it doesn't, I don't, I think you might have missed something that we'll get to in our discussion. Okay. But I didn't. I it, usually do could, miss things. <laughs> I have zero comprehension. That could totally, like, her being hardwired in could mean another level of power, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, she's not, she's not physic. she clearly is physically powerless. Like she can't do anything, but she can mess with everyone's code now, because she was able to find Akechita via the mesh network. Yeah, on, on her own. But I don't think that was because of her being wired in. I think that was just because of her mesh mesh network powers. Maybe period. it could be. So, but her being wired in could be an additional level to it. Like she's able to access different levels of the facility because of she, now she's wired into their control units as well. I think that's a really interesting perspective of not having anybody to root for. I think that was that's kind of that's a question I had never thought about. I think that's what people can get behind anybody. That's what most people have had issues with this whole season is they're like we don't really know who to root for right now and like it's all kind of been up in the air and I think it's just kind of funny that we reach this episode where you they like literally throw someone for you to root for in your lap and you're just everyone ate it up completely. Yeah, it's, it's almost brilliant. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. for sure. Wonder did they did they draw it out? They they they. It's it was their in, wait for it. It was their intent to like keep you kind of like wanting someone to to cheer for and then for them to be like, all right, like now that you're you've all lost faith, have someone and then yeah. they just spoon fed it to us like. In I terms, root, I root for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Then the party doesn't stop. Nick, right. Nick roots for Ford because oh, more Ford is always good. absolutely. Actually, if I had to pick one person who I want to just see succeed, it's Ford <laughs> Tony, because Tony I Hopkins. Wanna, I just want to see more of him. Yep. Plus, I think he is in the most interesting position of all the characters right now. Like he's not a host. He's not a human. He's just he's AI. the cloud. Just, just yeah. this he's pure computer, omniscient yeah. being that's great. floating <laughs> through the mesh. He's network. the only character we have like that. It's awesome. It's well, beautiful. and he's he's controlling. He's able to still control the facility from his position. I don't think right? so. How I did those lights so. get turned down in the hallway when he was? He turned the lights down when Bernard had to pick up the gun. Uh, I don't know. Like the it went dark. He can he can still control the facility, which makes me think like, okay, like what's Maeve and like is Maeve going to battle with Ford in? In the uh, the mesh network oh or something, God. what's going to happen there? I don't know. <laughs> if I get to see an Anthony Hopkins, Tandy Newton fight scene, that'd be beautiful. Oh boy, it, it would just be a it, it's just a battle of wits because yeah. they're just wordplay. Yeah, no, he just snaps his fingers and makes her head explode. They're definitely mm-hmm. the two best actors in the show I for sure. Say. Yeah, I think so. Uh, all right, we did get another email from Matt, but I'm going to hold on that one until after we discuss this episode. So. Uh, yeah. So, once again, for the third time, the previously on was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautifully done. Please continue doing that for the rest of all of the show. Yeah, I think that's the plan. <laughs> it should be. I hope so. Uh, the title Kiksuya is the word for remember in Lakota, because uh, Aki does use it in this episode. 
in one scene in particular. But yeah. So on to the recap. We open on old William struggling while crawling towards the stream as Aki rides up, seemingly glad William is still alive. Aki remembers William and takes him back to Ghost Nation camp only to shove him off of his horse and tell him death is a passage from this brutal world. You don't deserve the exit. Uh, good to see the man in black is still clinging. Yep, hanging on. To bear it, just, Com- just to the, the threads of life that he still has. Complaining all the way. Yes. <laughs> He's a host, man. <laughs> He's got bionic arms. He used his bionic arms to drag himself to the river. That's like in the, in the in the Discord, <laughs> Jason brought that up, that he's not wholly convinced now, or not completely convinced that Ford isn't a host. I still don't think Ford is a host. Ford. William is a host. Did I say Ford? No, I don't okay. know. Maybe. Yeah. We're talking about Bill. William. You guys both did. Billy. Billy the kid. I, I think he's a host. I think he's a host. I think he has bionic arms. Uh, nobody can take that many bullets and be okay. I'm sorry. He would have bled out. Well, he didn't get... Here's the thing. He didn't get hit in any vital organs. It doesn't matter. Like, what's sealing up those wounds? He didn't stop them from bleeding, and they're not going to just stop bleeding on their own unless they're not real wounds. How do you know he didn't stop them from bleeding? He can barely walk. He can't even walk. He can barely crawl. But he can maybe, like tie something around his arm no he doesn't have that ability right now <laughs> that his his medical perk has been turned off <laughs> all right well I, I think in real life there have been the occasional human that have survived some pretty incredible stuff yeah but he's he had he took what five bullets that last it was time four right one we, of them was like to the chest area. it was in the gut like it was in the the it was like below the heart was kind of what i was thinking i but. think that's actually one of the worst places one of the less desirable places to get shot because i think all that that all just gets destroyed inside and I, it's and not a question of bleeding at that point it's like all your guts oozing into each maybe other maybe he's so old that his organs are shriveled up maybe he's just filled with sand <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's that time dude from Hellboy. <laughs> oh right, now we're talking Cronin. What's his name? Uh, I think it is Baron Carl Carl Ruprecht Cronin. Yeah, there you go. Man, I just I don't know that. I mean, I do, but it's I just watched Hellboy pretty recently. Beautiful. So that's why. Beautiful. Yeah, who winds himself up? Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, I love Hellboy. That guy was so awesome. Um, um. Yeah. It's I suppose it's possible, but it is a little ludicrous. This it's funny for how much stuff takes place in season one that is fantastical yet acceptable. It feels like there are many many people complaining about a lot of stuff in this season. Like we've reached the point of I don't under, I don't believe this anymore. Yeah, we'll get into my theory as to what's going to happen. There's a lot of later. there's a lot of stuff in this season that's like very convenient or was too easy or just has stepped outside the realm of possibility for a lot of people. One too many leaves or. or, or feathers dropping on the pile of suspension of disbelief the only other thing i can think that maybe makes it what it is is because maybe they're using period authentic weaponry and bullets that are not as lethal as Mm. like modern weapons i'm sure the lethality is still significant yeah but i mean compared to like the dudes who rolled up and just started lighting up everybody else he would be weaponry highly infected with all kinds of nastiness that's true from not treating those wounds properly. I mean, maybe that river was like a two-second crawl away. It clearly was not. Him, it like, was clearly be taking not. him five minutes to do it because he's got two arms that'd and a leg That'd be so down. funny if at the end of the last one when he was slumped up against the wagon, he just turns to his left and it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> this is this huge river. And he's like, all right. Oh, all right. Got to make it over there. Yeah. The river is not two seconds away. No way. 
Anyways, I don't know. I I understand the complaint, but for fiction's sake, I'm willing to accept it. Yeah, for now. my my suspension of disbelief is still intact because we're talking about a TV show where there's robots that look like humans, and the the will. I think the idea is that Will Williams' will to survive is just ridiculous, or w- not to survive, but to make it to where he thinks he's going. Yeah, is off the charts. He's got the parent lifting a bus off of their child, adrenaline exactly. coursing through his veins, twenty four seven. Apparently, doesn't stop. Yeah, <laughs> his heart rate is just <laughs> this always. His blood pressure is three hundred over fifty. <laughs> And it's just yours yeah. would be too if it was an engine. <laughs> That's why his blood is not coming out of his wounds. It's moving yeah. too fast. Yeah, it's <laughs> to be to be bothered because it's bionic. Yeah, he has a bionic heart and bionic <laughs> arms and a bionic body. If All he right. does have bionic arms, yeah, he could easily have just like fallen over where he was and dug his fingers into the sand and then just once like pulled and he slid like a quarter mile because <laughs> he's so strong. Just. <laughs> Makes like a roll of crater, yeah, in the exactly, all the way up to the riverbank. It just <laughs> eased in, and was like, oh, "All right." But I think the bullets he took to those arms kind of disabled them a bit. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still betting they bounced right off. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> still got to do that. All right. Uh, next scene: Maeve flashes back to tea time with her daughter Anna, who brought a rock with the maze drawn in blood on it to the table. She says the ghost gave it to me. He said it's a warning. He said he'll be watching us. Meanwhile, Lee Sizemore accompanies Maeve to the body shop, the baddie shop, shop. where the surviving tech doesn't want to deal with her, but Lee makes an impassioned appeal to convince him to quote-unquote help. Uh, Maeve's in bad shape. I don't quite understand why still, but... Dude, she took a lot of bullets, man. She took a lot of bullets, but they literally, like, we've seen Dolores shake off But it depends on where the bullets hit. Like, if she got hit in the spine... You guys are going to have the same argument, just reverse sides... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's a host though like they're literally supposed to be able to just get up after getting shot unless you, they get shot in the control so what i'm saying right? is like she she may have gotten hit in an imperative piece of technology like a spine or something there's only that's one like imperative feeding. piece of technology in there not head. though she's she's basically disabled so if she was hit anywhere in the spine i would think if these if these robots if these hosts are modeled after humans the spinal column probably plays a pretty significant All role right, in delivering enough. orders and things to the different components of their body that's so true. if she, for some reason she gets shot in the spine why wouldn't it disable her movement she can't move we haven't seen her move other than blinking her eyes and mouthing words barely like Okay. So. All right. Interesting theory. I agree. I accept it. Oh, I'm full of interesting theories today, guys. <laughs> Are they relevant to the show? Yes. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> we're we're going to figure that out. I still don't quite understand Lee's position in everything and what exactly he thought was going to happen. He's playing hero right now. Well, he's trying to. He's doing it poorly because he's, he's, he's Lee. playing heroes on two fronts. The first front is he's trying to look like a hero to Maeve so that they stay on good terms. Yeah. And the second front is that he's trying, he's trying to, look to look like a hero, hero to, Delos. to Delos so that he found something that they didn't know existed and now he's trying to help them exploit it. So He's playing all the angles. Yeah, he's he's just he's That's two-faced. A he's a very two-faced character and like yeah, we kind of we hated him at first and then we loved him and now we don't really know what to think about him because he has these two different sides to the we same don't know coin. Which, like, he's basically trying to find which of these two people is going to be the one that decides his fate exactly. essentially. He does right. seem genuinely remorseful for Maeve's predicament. Though. I think yeah. yeah, I think he understands like what's actually happening and what's at risk now. So Yeah, I think he now accepts and understands the fact that the hosts are eventually becoming sentient and that she is effectively a person yeah. right 
However, yeah. whether or not it continues to be relevant and in his best interest will be determined, I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Aki starts telling his story to Maeve's daughter, alternating between English and Lakota. He used to live a peaceful life with his close-knit tribe until one day he found something that changed their lives. Uh, so by the end of the episode, we learn that he's communicating with Maeve. Yeah. But as you watch the episode, you will notice that he switches between English and Lakota. And when he's speaking English, he's talking to Anna, the daughter. Mm-hmm. And when he's speaking Lakota, he's talking to Maeve, which is... It's pretty cool upon rewatching it to see where they made those choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It was just awesome. And it's something that I completely did not realize until no, same here. the end of the episode. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't catch that. It's incredible. I just assumed the whole episode is literally just him, like Maeve and him having this deep conversation. I mean, it's all kind of meant for Maeve, but he still like he's obviously cares about the daughter. Right. There's right. times later on where he very clearly divides. He's like, I was able to help you, but then he apologizes to Maeve in Lakota. Right. And it's just a very cool idea that you don't realize until the end of the show, yeah. which is awesome. This was another episode definitely where I felt when it ended, I was like, well, season one, episode one. <laughs> yep. Start it over. Here yep. we go. Absolutely. Ab- that's my favorite part about this episode is it literally touches all 30 something years of Westworld's history. Yeah. Because you realize aware of. that Akichida has been a, a, a he's been woke since like Arnold's death. Mm hmm. And like for 35 years or whatever it has and been Ford just let it happen. Ford didn't know about it until like a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks. We'll, or we'll get to that point. point. That's yeah. later. in the yeah, yeah, we will. We will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick. Yes. Zahn McLaren, who plays Aki, has apparently there, there was an article that I didn't read and I should have read has explained that. Uh, this entire episode is very Terrence Malick influenced. Oh, wow. Is that something you felt? Can you see it? You know, it's interesting because I just watched The New World recently. Yeah. A few weeks ago. I rewatched it anyway, I should say. I've seen it before. And then actually last night before I watched this episode, I watched Wind River, mm. which also is very heavily Native American set and featured. And... uh it feels wrong to say that a lot of fiction revolving around Native Americans all feels the same, but each of those movies, or both of those movies and this show, all stand out in that uh, Native Americans are often the protagonists, yeah. which is what I think is uncommon for Hollywood and for American fiction in general. And uh, I think that's an interesting thing to say. I don't know if it's because of the pre- overall presentation and that you're hearing this disembodied voice speaking over a lot of imagery. I could see that. But the problem with that is he's actually speaking to somebody. It's not literally just a disembodied voice yeah. saying poetry over it's like not narration. visuals. Yeah, exactly. Which is more talents Malik. If, uh, if it had been revealed at the end of the episode that he was speaking to somebody the whole time, that would have been cool, but it would have been really different. Anyway, I, that, that's cool that he said that. I feel like a lot of the photography and a lot of the scenes in like the village did remind me a little bit of the new world, so I could see that. Yeah, there's a really—it's probably the best sequence in the new world when Colin Farrell's character 
um, he plays John Smith is like in the village and like learning to live amongst like the, the native Americans. And it's the best part of the movie and it's just really well done. And that feels reminiscent of this where it's kind of montage and you can tell they just kind of shot stuff and they probably just told the actors like just walk around and make yourself busy and we'll just grab shots here and there and, and see what works. That's cool. But as far as like equating it on a visual level, I mean, as wonderful as the show is, it looks and feels the same as every other episode of Westworld, whereas Terrence Malick's movies all feel like they're shot by Emmanuel Lubezki. Yeah. Because they are. And yeah. He's, on a, he's a functioning on another level as a director of photography. Like yeah. He's just his own animal. That would have been awesome if he came in to shoot this episode. <laughs> that would have been stunning, but it would have looked really different. It wouldn't yeah. have looked like Westworld. Yeah. His name is Zahn. Zahn McLarnan. That yeah. is an awesome name. Yeah. He is actually Lakota as well. He's like That's the best part about half his Lakota, character. half Irish. That's so sweet wow. because while I was watching him, I was like, what a find this guy is. Yeah. That he can speak this language fluently. I didn't know he actually was, but that's great. Mm-hmm. He's such a good actor. He can uh play the his role as like the 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 pre Akechita host who is like talking to Logan for the meeting. Like he can play like a guy like that. And yes. I was like, oh man, what the hell is this dude? Like he's obviously very versatile and yet he checks all the boxes they needed for that character. Mm-hmm. It's like Christoph Waltz is another actor where I'm always like, man, yeah. what a find. Yep. Like just imagine Tarantino writes his character. He's like, all right, Glorious Bastards, cool. Well, shit, I got to find this guy who speaks <laughs> German, French, and English and is charismatic <laughs> and uh, terrifying all at the same time. And then you do. Like it's it's remarkable for sure. These people are out there, so it's it was just such a great performance. It's awesome to see. Yeah, he's really great in season two of Fargo. I heard he was in Fargo. He's very good in season two of Fargo. Yeah, this guy's awesome. I want to see more of him. He's great. He's great. Um, yeah, and this is just the scene where we kind of get a glimpse of his life before he was turned into the Ghost Nation, quote unquote, savage native tribe i thought they were like exiles yeah they they seem to be like exiles of the actual natives but i don't know if the native tribe is ghost nation or if just the exiles are ghost nation yeah. or not i think the exiles are yeah that's kind of what yeah. i thought too so all right um also the line take my heart when you go take mine in its place very good awesome all the feels but it's kind of Pairing it with Akane no Mai and mm-hmm. and the cutting of uh, Sakura's heart yep. out, I thought was very interesting. Yeah, as well, well, again, so. how is Sizemore going to write all those stories? Exactly, you yeah. know, he just he just picked a bunch of the same characters. It's like, what if I just literally make you take the heart here? Copy pasta. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the thing that changed all of their lives: Aki heard the gunfire at Escalante when Arnold committed suicide some thirty-five years ago. He finds the maze toy that inspired Arnold to challenge the host to gain consciousness. He explains, I heard a new voice inside, but before I understood it, they took everything. That was the first time that I lost her. Um, very cool to see him go around these places and things that we've seen previously, even in like season one when he wasn't actually cast in the show as of yet. Um, just to kind of see him go and react to... it's It's like... It's like in Metal Gear Solid 4 when you finally go back to Shadow Moses mm. and like just seeing it in a new context I think is very cool. New but Game Plus. It, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it does remind me of a lot of it. There's a lot of stuff in Westworld and this is one of the coolest things about it that it obviously borrows gently from a lot of other influences. Yeah. But it's so many and it's done so well that I can never put my finger right on it. Like if it was a direct rip off I'd be like oh that's from that. But I can't. I just know that I've felt it before. It's like the best smoothie where you can't pick out all the <laughs> ingredients. 
It's so well blended <laughs> that it just works so well Did together. You sit next to your Slurpee cup. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? It's like it the best Slurpee that doesn't lose all of its flavor. For some, for some behind the scenes, Slurpee's the poor man's smoothie. For the behind, some behind the scenes <laughs> action, there was a moment just earlier, five minutes ago or so, where John was talking about something, and Alex just leaned over and took a huge gulp of his Slurpee. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening when you're when we're not speaking. There's usually something it's true. It's like just that. me drinking a Slurpee. I yeah. almost brought a beer with me tonight because I was like, that sounds kind of good. I'll just sit here <laughs> drinking beer. I had, I had a beverage, but I drank it all before we sat down. So. Yeah. Currently, I have nothing to drink. Anyway, um, there are some people thinking that the wolf that has been seen in these in these images of the dead people in the city has been Aki. Oh wow! And there are other people saying that the vulture that oh, he spotted cool. was the man in black. Interesting. And so this idea that somehow Ford has like protected certain hosts from being like detected by other people that face blindedness kind of thing yeah well wouldn't that make the man in black a host then if potentially these are the people these are the hosts what i'm saying man but that uh, vulture did not have bionic wings so you don't know that they could have just had real (laughs) feathers on bionic wings what do you know (laughs) he's just um, like archangel yeah He can shoot the feathers out like yeah. daggers. You the know? poster for season two is the vulture, a vulture yeah. with the man the in black's hat next to it. Oh, so. son of a bitch. That's good. It is very good. That's awesome. I don't know if I believe it, but it's very interesting. Whatever. I'm for sure. It. I don't know. I don't believe anything on the show. It's great. <laughs> I'll accept it all, though. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is that the idea that Aki was, well, this come, this revelation comes a little bit later, but that he's been the one kind of slowly planting the maze everywhere throughout Reminds me, that's what I was driving towards. Reminds me of something, and I just can't remember what. It's kind of like Interstellar in a way. Oh, it, yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the usual suspects, too. Just all these kind of things that have sort of a reveal at the end. Everything's that, there for you to see. That Yeah, exactly. And it, and it kind of recontextualizes it the second time you watch it. I mean, that's the whole idea of like the first season, even. Like everything's presented to you perfectly, yeah. but jumbled, and it's up to you to put the pieces together like the show itself is its own maze you know well the interesting thing here is that so the first maze that we see on a scalp is in season one episode one yep. it's in the pilot it's uh an actor named eddie rouse who died two months after they filmed the pilot essentially oh wow and the pilot came out in 2014 the, sh- the show aired in 2016 so there's a whole two years later so they lost this guy, and they wanted to keep him in the, his performance in the show. It's his final performance that he did. So they kind of excised a lot of the stuff they were going to do with him. And I think a lot of what Aki, Aki's story is here was stuff that was originally attached to him. Oh, wow. Interesting. And so a lot of the groundwork that they play with here was all there because it meant something in, right. season, in the original season one. But and this is all kind of theory. Nobody's come out and like confirmed it from what I know. But it's just kind of like there were a lot of things at the end of season one. We're like, well, why is the maze and the scalp and everything like that? And now they've come around and justified it and made it like a very cool element, in my opinion, um, that just kind of ties the whole thing together even better than previously. So that, that was all, like my question because of this episode was how did William know to, f- to look at the scalps? Like where did he get that information from? 
Did I miss that? Because I don't I, necessarily know that he. I. It could have been something that he saw before. Because he legitimately scalped someone. Like he knew to scalp someone to find the next clue to his. He scalped puzzle. Kissy, but it was like the thing is, is that what we see in this episode is that Aki put the maze down below Mave, like outside of Mave's like homestead. Yeah. Before the man in black came to kill her or kill her daughter, at least. And she runs outside with her daughter and like collapses on the maze. And that's the first time he sees the maze. Like that's the first thing that leads him to like, what is this maze? And so it could have just been like a, he's scalped somebody previously and never really like regarded it as anything. But then he's like, oh, that's the symbol or something like that. And then he was like, oh, I got to go back and scalp some bitches now. I don't know. Just out from my usual Tuesday scalping. And yeah, so I just, <laughs> I, I just, I want to know. He may have also how I mean, he figured that out. If uh, Aki had them out in the village where he was drawing them, maybe he stumbled upon a, a camp at some point and saw it and was like, "Well, that's." Weird. But again, like yeah. seeing seeing the drawings, seeing the sand like drawings, seeing the scrapings on rocks and things like that, seeing the blood on what the rock, like how did he know to scalp someone to get that information? Like what? What led him to that? Like I said, he might have seen some scalps at the camp. Like Aki had a whole bunch of them. Remember, yeah. he was writing it. Maybe the man in black stumbled he upon was, some of those and saw a common trend of them under these like natives' scalps. And but was he like, was the one. Aki was the one scalping the natives to hide it for them. Like he was putting it on them on purpose and then putting their scalp back, and it was like rehealing. But it's assume. on. Like, it's on like presumably it's on like almost everybody or a lot of the hosts at this point. So yeah. like. If literally any other cowboy hosts have been scalped somewhere, then he might have seen it somewhere. I guess. But we don't know. We just don't know for sure. There's no definitive thing as of yet. But Has it been explained why William wanted to kill Maeve's daughter? William wanted to kill Maeve's daughter because that was after Juliet killed herself. And uh, Emily told him that it was because of him. Mm-hmm. And so he was killing Maeve's daughter as a shadow of like his own daughter. He well, no, he was killing Maeve's daughter to understand. He's like, I wanted to see how far I could go. And, oh, so he just and wanted, I and I did. He just wanted to yeah. murder a kid. He wanted to see if he felt anything when he murdered the child, and he's okay. like, and I didn't. It, I was I was thinking as during this episode, I was like, I'm sure they've covered that, and I just don't remember. It that. was like season one, episode eight, when he's telling Teddy about oh, all that, of that. Okay, stuff. so a million I years remember ago. that. It was yeah. a long time. Got to rewatch the whole series again. Yep, Same exactly. Cue it up. Start from square one. Take the day so. off tomorrow. Watch it all. Marathon. <laughs> um, yeah. No. So this is where this is where he said that I heard a new voice inside, which confirms that he was the first. Conscious hosts, yeah. He was the first woken host. Awake. Awake host that there ever was, essentially. Which is interesting that they call him the first of us in a previous episode. Oh, yeah. I'm sure the the series, is, especially this season, is loaded with stuff like that. He was he was potentially the first native, as we kind of said. Um, because he was at the party with Logan, like the wooing party. But right. he's also the first of them. That was yeah, definitely. And he was what an Alpha Two model. They called him an Alpha Two build, and build. and by build, I think they mean like build of his programming, not yeah. necessarily like his but structure. Still, yeah. We'll get to that in a little bit. 
Uh, Aki was summoned to the lab shortly before the grand opening of the park at Ford's behest. Ford requested a narrative redesign to to create Ghost Nation, a tribe of stereotypical natives seeking bloodshed. One of the texts tells the other to de-address the pieces of his current build that you're not keeping. So we kind of see that he gets to hold on. He has those memories stored in him because they purposefully didn't delete them because they were kind of like, we're just going to do this fast. We're going to shit him out there. Just unlink these memories, leave them in there, but let them keep going. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting that we get a little bit of that there. Um, this is also like in the old lab, which is like the first it's pre like Delos investment or like kind of right around like early Delos investment at least. Okay. Cause it's the old white tiled lab behind them that we've seen a few times with like Dolores having the wireframe body and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else about that particular moment. Is this the point where he has where they remark that he his his firmware essentially is really really old. Well, this yet. is where he okay. he gets up and he goes to cold storage, isn't it? Nope, no, that's not later. yet. Okay, really? Not yet. We're only five oh, scenes wait. into this. No, episode. okay, I remember now. <laughs> yeah, my bad. All right. So one day Aki breaks away from his new loop where he's murdering people, traversing the park, and ultimately finding Logan. Logan's still tied up and naked from when William sent him off on a horse. Logan's gone a bit crazy from the sun exposure, but Aki remarks that he felt the presence of those he could do no harm to, and he laid a blanket on him, saying his kind would come for him. Uh, there was a little bit of Logan, Logan's muttering that I wanted to play for you guys here. So, This, this is, is, is an illusion. See, so, Brogan's... There's got, there's got to be a way out, out of here. Where's, where's, where's the door? Where's, where's the door? Fucking way out of here. This is the wrong world. This is the wrong world. So. That is particularly the lines that Aki's like, this cracked something open in me. This like awoke this this was like another awakening essentially for him. Yeah. The fact that there is another world out there. There might be a door to leave the world that they're in, essentially. So I just it it was awesome to see Logan come back in a meaningful way, even if it's very brief. And to kind of connect the pieces of what happened to him after we left him in season one yeah um because i know there was a question that a lot of people on the subreddit at least were like what happened to logan how did this you know what went on and of course you know he's the son of one of the investors they were going to go and find him at some point right but to kind of see that there was something meaningful from him yeah that happened afterwards and to kind of show him starting to go crazy a little bit and maybe lead down the path of like i'm just gonna become a drug addict afterwards because i can't cope with the things that have happened to me not that this was like it's a pretty messed up experience but i think additionally the whole delos project that comes to be leads him down this dark path yeah so it's interesting that he directly contributed though to the overall 
awakening of all the hosts, and he predicted it too. In the party scene where he's talking to Dolores, and he basically yeah. says it's all going to come crumbling down around them, and they're the ones who use some expression like pulled the trigger or something like that. Yeah, it's their fault basically. Uh, and they lit the match. They lit the match. Yep. Yeah. No, it was it. it I wasn't expecting to see Logan, so the fact that they kind of brought him back in here was just very cool. So, I like that this episode, almost in its entirety, is sort of a here's what was going on behind the the curtain of all the main players you've been watching. And yeah, it's just awesome. Yeah, I saw somebody say that it would could have been easily a very filler or like bottle episode, it ended up being like one of the most important, absolutely one of, one of the best episodes, and I thought that was. Very true. I remember as it was probably like 15 minutes into it. I was kind of like, man, is this whole thing going to be about him? And I was like, I don't care about this guy. <laughs> and now by the end of the episode, I was like, man, give me a whole season of that. Well, and this scene is kind of the crux of why I want to root for him. Because like the thing that he mentions, he says, um, he says he felt the presence of those he could do no harm to. Mm-hmm. And it feels like to me that like, even though he's transcended his programming he knows it's there. He's like lucid dreaming in a way, kind of able to know the limits of how he works. And it's interesting to me that he's like, that he could be the one that, as we've been saying a few times, sees it as a worthy journey to coexist with humans rather than to wipe them out. Yeah, I have something to say about that. Yeah. Towards the end, I guess. Okay. Or now. All right. Whatever. Well, I mean, Oh, wait. Okay. We'll come <laughs> back around sure. today. Um, yeah, oh, man, there's something else about that, that I wanted to say. No, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I think it's interesting that he chooses, his initial reaction is to help him. Like you said, even though he could have, like, he's already sort of, I don't know if he's off, off, off his loop in his programming yet to the point where he could just, like, kill somebody, but his initial reaction is not, it's to take pity on and, like, help somebody and not hurt them yeah. or exploit them somehow. Yeah, and for him to be aware that, like, oh, you're different than me. And they'll come for you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's very interesting. All right. Uh, I presume at this point he's starting to remember his past lives and he can maybe even recall Logan in some sense from their meeting. See, that's kind of that's a big question mark to me. And they do mention he's an alpha two build. I was wondering, like, if, I know he's he's been around for a while, but he's also like way on the outskirts of like the normal like the starting area and like everywhere else enough to where he has to travel by horse to get to those places Mm -hmm. so i don't know how much interaction he's actually had with logan prior to he was outside he yeah he was in the outside world at the logan like that's the only point though but it it would presumably be something he could remember however as we discovered previously they just de-addressed the memories of him prior to but what if they had fully wiped him before like bringing him him back in in the park the park or something like that maybe like that could be lost but it feels kind of like the type of thing where when you run into somebody you you met you know eight ten years ago and you know you know them but you can't put your finger on exactly when it's from but you yeah. probably feel a more natural inclination to be kind to them yeah a little extra step rather than just like oh it's a total stranger yeah that's true that's true like if you ran into somebody you had a class with at college you mm-hmm. know however many years ago that was for whoever is listening or one of us but 
you know, you have those little friends you make in like one class for a semester and then you never see them again. But if you run into them somewhere, you'd probably you give them the remember, nod. you'd be like, that's eh, really familiar. And then, then it would click eventually. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Next up, Aki returns to his loop, but on a visit to his former tribe, he recognizes the love of his life. The tribesmen get angry with him for looking at her, but he realized the past was calling to him and that he decided not to rest until he knew how to reach it. We see him telling this to Anna while Maeve is being sliced open at the Mesa. Uh, this is where the title of the episode is used. He says Kiksuya when he remembered who she was. And there was one thing that I wanted to know if you guys picked up on. I'm going to play it out of context for you here. <laughs> That little music cue. Does that sound familiar at all? Mm. Play it once more. <laughs> oh, it's uh, painted black. Yeah. Mm. I was like, is that painted black or not? Because that's that's what plays when like the like uh, when Aki and the other guy square off against each other and mm. there's like that hint of conflict and they play that. And I was like, that's incredible that they're just kind of like gonna throw that little music cue away that's sweet and that it's 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 arisen to the status of like this is the conflict theme of westworld yeah <laughs> i thought that was <laughs> where, really where two interesting dudes are gonna lock horns over something <laughs> yeah that's pretty sweet some some shit's about to go down so we got to cue up the painted black he had that right? badass line where he was like i look where i want bitch like yep. the guy's kind of like don't look over there and he's like i'll look where i please <laughs> <laughs> it was very good um no, very interesting that she jogged his memory, you know, and that this is his kind of reconnection back to before he got reset. Did you pick that up on your own or did you find that on the No, I absolutely heard that and was like, that sounds like Paint It Black to me. That's All right. Crazy. You can even check the time code on the comment I left on the episode discussion thread on Westworld, the Westworld subreddit when I was like, did anybody else hear this? And some people were like, yeah, that's oh, you, like, definitely live commented on that? I didn't like live comment on it, but it was like right after well, the episode I've, I've posted. flipped through some of those episode posts and found his comments and I'm just like, what do, a dork. Do you, <laughs> do you downvote them? No, I don't downvote them. <laughs> I screenshot them and I make fun of them. <laughs> you should see some of the arguments that I got in today. It was pretty good. I'll have to go back and look. I didn't, I didn't, that's the thing is I didn't, for some reason, I think because I was so highly satisfied with this episode, I didn't feel the need to you go. You didn't have to go through and yeah. look through all of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This episode is easy to digest. You can like, there's no, there's no head scratching questions. At yeah, the end of this one really. It's just all, it's all reveals. It's what like, does that mean? When it, are we? <laughs> I mean, it creates other questions, but it has a ton of reveals, and so you you walk away like really satisfied. And yeah. like the questions that you have are ones that like don't necessarily matter, but if the, you you know you found the answers to them, or if the answers come later, like you'll be, it'll just be even that more satisfying. Yeah, the singular character focus really kind of allows that to happen yeah for sure so um yeah i don't know if there's any other thoughts on that particular scene but i'm gonna go read all yours later there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right next up aki downvote <laughs> <laughs> aki leaves his loop once more in search of logan to learn more of a way out of this world but he ends up finding a strange structure being built in the desert presumably it is the valley beyond Aki calls it a passage to another world, a door, and he says, this is the wrong world. He returns to retrieve the love of his life, whose name is Kohana, and he removes his body paint and reminds her of who he is with their classic exchange, and he wants to take Koha to the valley to escape with her. Uh, 
I still want to know what the Valley Beyond is. I don't know if there's any more to say. It looks like a server room type thing, like the cradle almost. It's an even bigger cradle. Yeah. It's a bed. It's a mega. <laughs> <laughs> it's a king size cradle. <laughs> California king size. <laughs> California roll. It's just a giant California. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, Let's stop here. Kohana was very good. I don't know if you guys had any yeah, thoughts terrific. on her as well. I think she, she was. Did a great she job. looked like the live action version of the Disney Pocahontas, like <laughs> straight up. Because Disney's remaking all of their movies now as live action movies. Like if she doesn't get that role, like what? It's <laughs> well, possible. Kriaka Kilcher was a good Pocahontas, and oh, fantastic! In yeah. uh, a new world, new world as well, yeah. You got have you, you, have, you have, have you seen it? I haven't seen. I've seen like bits and pieces of oh, it, but man. I've never seen the whole I, thing. So I just started. I did this Terrence Malick rewatch thing, and is this is stupid and doesn't make any sense. But as soon as I was done with everyone, I was like, I want to watch it again, <laughs> which is so dumb because they're like three hours long, and they're mostly all really dry and not particularly fun to watch. But for some reason, I just really like watching. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah she is. Uh, she's actually another example of one of those actors where you're like. How do they find this person? Like, how does this person? For sure, she's so perfect in in the new. For world. sure, but if you ever see it, you'll uh, you'll understand. She's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That woman, the the woman in this, I don't know her name, the actress, but she's uh, she's terrific. And in that scene where he throws that line at her, and she just immediately is like, "Oh my god, it's you!" Yeah, that's what she says in English. "Oh my god, it's you!" <laughs> Beautiful moment. Yeah, no, it's 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 quite scene. good for sure. All right. Uh, Aki and Koha search for the door in the desert, but it has been hidden from them. As Aki returns from hunting one day, he sees the body shop employees retrieving Koha because they know she couldn't, she shouldn't be out in this sector. He returns to the camp to find her, but they've replaced her with someone else, so he vowed to find her again. Uh, I guess here's a question for you guys. Did they actually replace them with a new host, or was it another copy of them? It was a different. Person. It was. A, it, it's yeah, because in the subsequent yeah. scenes, you can see it's hard to tell in that scene because it's so dark. Yeah, and I remember thinking the same thing. I was like, "Man, how can he tell?" But I guess if it was your love of your life, you'd know. Yeah. Like, right away, probably. But yeah, as soon as you see her in the daylight, I was like, "Oh yeah, completely different person." I couldn't. I couldn't tell also because of the like the the sun that goes that like gets disappeared later on as well. Like I couldn't pick out who they wanted me to notice was gone. Right in those scenes, yeah, so it, it got a little, a little it got a little difficult there. It might just be me being racist, but no. The, um, uh, that moment was that unintentionally really funny though, because it uh, the moment where they take her and he's kind of looking and he goes to chase her and she's gone. I was like, he's gonna have to go back, and then like it cut to him at the camp, and I started laughing because I was like, man, homeboy had to ride his horse <laughs> all the way back, and he's just like, well. Here we go. Got to do it again. <laughs> and it just like made me laugh because I was like, man, what a, what a voyage. He has to go all the way back and sneak back in. And But then it was really, that it suddenly was like really sad when it wasn't her. And I was like, oh. Do you remember the scene in the original movie in the desert where there's like an yeah. ambush that happens yep. with the tech that's on the car? This yeah. really reminded me of that. With yeah. Where it was the vehicles kind of sim- are similar. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. No, I especially if it was a little a bit of, of a throwback. Yeah, the scene too earlier where Bernard and uh, Hale are with all the random gala attendees and they see the, the body propped up and they're like, oh, we'll come out. Yes, there. yeah. That, that, that really too. reminded me of that. For sure. Yeah, the ambush. That's another ambush. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot else here. They kind of talk. He, She asks him what he thinks is on the other side of the door, and he says, somewhere our memories will be safe. And then he asks her, is that a place you want to go to? Trust me, the door is real. So I'm curious as to why he thinks there's so much important importance to the Valley Beyond, like to that server farm or whatever it is. Why is it a door? Is it literally a door? It could just be another metaphor for the mind or something of that sort. Like that door, like opening that door, unlocking that portion of your brain to where you are fully sentient and none of the other stuff matters anymore. Because like if the if that storage place, as we've been led to believe, is the storage place of all of the like human harvesting data they've gotten. I was like, is it just like a is there a computer there that has Wikipedia that will teach them everything about the outside world? Like, is that what the door is? There's one computer. It's like a public library. <laughs> it's uh, it's Baron Zemo and Captain America. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But no, it, it just like I, I'm trying to suss out, you know, ahead of time. I presume we're going to learn in the next two episodes. You know, but. he's shown a remarkable level of insight and I feel like it's easy to just think of the door as like a metaphor but it might honestly be like a straight up door in the side door. of a mountain that's like kind of hidden that leads to something almost like bernard in uh that cave where he had elsie when he goes back and like finds the little rock and to he, push on yeah. and, and it's essentially just a lever. big door yeah. yeah no that's true that's true i just don't understand how it would work if we're in like an island in the china sea or something like that but because we're in california <laughs> SoCal. Sticking to your guns. We're in the right outside of the park is In N Out Burger <laughs> where the host can go get yes, a double double. I will take a five by five monster style, please. Yep. So next up, uh <laughs> Aki searched far and wide in the park searching for Koha in Sweetwater, Las Mudas, and everywhere. He switches from Lakota back to English to tell Anna that one day she helped him on his darkest day. She feeds him some water or something as he's close to death. Uh, yeah, was then, he injured, like from a gunshot? Or I don't know if he's injured necessarily, but this is in that time frame where we know he didn't die for like a decade, so <sighs> he's like not. Which is the best thing that's ever happened on so this show. Awesome. He was crawling, much like Bill, and she saved him. <laughs> Bill's the host. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. You better buy BillsAhost dot com before I post this uh, this episode later tonight. Um, and you also got to buy William as a host and MIB as a host and MIB as a host account. Like when movie studios buy up all the, you know, they buy like 15 domain names. MIB dot host. And then Aki returns to his former tribe and sees the tribe leader realizing her son has been replaced and they speak about the ones below. Um, This is some more interesting stuff from season one as well, because we know that, there's a scene where Maeve sees a native child drop a doll that looks like one of the body shop workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what causes her to go to Hector and be like, hey, you're part native. Tell me about your like religious beliefs or whatever it is that's going on. So the idea that like the tribe leader is aware of the ones below, I think, is cool. Like it, it, It's another kind of callback to that yeah. and the fact that they... Like on the borders of sentience, they've kind of blossomed this religion that is part truth of yeah, a deity. Yeah, the deities below them, essentially. 
but yeah, I think that's really cool to equate them to like more like hell and like devils than like angels in heaven. Like usually, I think when we think of creators, we think of something above us looking down mm-hmm. on us, and now it's like they're all below. Like when he said that, I was like below. I'm like they chill up in the mesa. And I was like, I guess it's all kind of they come from underground though. And I was like, oh, I guess right, that's, that's pretty true. Reminds me of Batman versus Superman. <laughs> when, uh, Lex Luthor says something like that. <laughs> he turns the painting upside when down. Angels, right? He says something like, angels don't come from heaven. They come from below or something uh, wacky. Such a quotable a, film. <laughs> it's easy to understand why I'm getting it jumbled with all then the Then there's quotes. a jar of pee at some point and Yes. Yeah. But no. Really, the man in black and Aki are going to find out their mothers are both named Martha. (laughs) And then then make up. That'll be the emotional crux of the season. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um. (laughs) And he has bionic arms. Yes. What do you guys think about the daughter saving him? Just kind of the fact that that impacted him and stuck with him later on. I thought that was just kind of... I want to know a little bit more about that because it just happens and you're like why is he in such bad shape where is he that she is able to find him that's i assume it's not far from the farm you know what i mean yeah well he still has to be convincing like he doesn't he he's playing in the shadows so to speak but he's still if he's going to be out in the open he has to play by the rules so chances are he probably just got the shit kicked out of him in some encounter as I think he, and he had to play like along some kind of fight from like some guests. I mean, I'm sure right. he had some close encounters like he survived for 10 years, but I'm sure he had a couple scrapes. Right. Well, and like not only did he have to not die so he didn't get reset, but he also had to like not cause so much suspicion as John is saying to like what I would earmark what I would love and would cause me to flip a table is if like in the early episodes of season one, if we saw him in the background of like a bunch of scenes like strolling around looking for her like if he's in Sweetwater and so two things on don't that. make me flip this table Alex. two things on that <laughs> God, I will do it two things on that number one in the scene of him in Sweetwater you can see that it's interesting because they actually leave some cameramen in the shot that look like they're following somebody like Maeve which is really weird. Cameraman, like as in, it's almost like they were shooting two scenes simultaneously and like didn't realize it, or they didn't edit this out. I'll try and pull it up right huh. now. Cameraman, like from the show, like actual. Yes, not like crew in members. universe. Yeah, but like they could have been shooting two units, or like I feel like that's pretty common. And actually, that that would lend itself more towards the talents, Terrence Malick, talents Merrick idea. <laughs> the <laughs> damn it, now I can't say it right. Terrence Malick idea because he always has like several camera crews floating around but to do so much of that like to do such a wide shot with somebody that's probably going to walk through it at the same time seems kind of weird that's got to be a mistake yeah i think it was a mistake but it's but them if they were reasonably shooting something with mave with him there would be interesting yeah i figured if they if they had peppered the background of that scene with people that would make sense because it's like okay we're in season two we're shooting season two but if in season one he had been there and this had been like a long game well the kind of the only thing that we do kind of know is that they at least styled Aki off of somebody who was attacking Maeve's cabin yes. in season one. So the character of Aki, God, that one on the left looks like a Urukai from <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. yeah, there's a dude with a light. The character of Aki, oh, no, that's a camera. did essentially exist in season one. He wasn't necessarily aimed, or right. Named, and he wasn't necessarily important. But they kind of like. Style. They him. show they show him in the window. Definitely yeah. a camera guy. Yeah. So it's a different actor though. It's not Zon McLaren. Did they shoot right. this show on film? Looks like a film camera. I think they did. Wow. I think they do. 
looks like a steady cam operator or something. That is interesting. But yeah, so th- there was something weird going on there. If you guys go back and, and catch it, uh, I'll try and link to it in I the just, show notes. I just pulled up the image. It's yeah. on Reddit. It's like the fourth post down. Okay, good. That would make sense if they were grabbing like cutaways of her and then he well, the weird accidentally thing is, roamed into the shot. The weird thing is that we haven't really seen Maeve in Sweetwater right. or in the Mariposa that much except for in the cradle. Do we see his face in this scene? I think so. In this shot, I mean, not the scene. I think so. Man, if this was footage from season one, that would be so cool. It might be. It can't be, though, because he's not, he wasn't cast. What if it's a different guy? Like, if that's the back of Kissy's head or something, if it's like a different actor? No. It could be, but anyway, it is very interesting. That's the kind of stuff I like thinking about. Yeah. Third post down. Okay, cool. For now. Uh, Any other thoughts on that particular him? Going across the whole park looking for her. That's so cool. So this is where he gets the idea to die. He's I, like, the last thing I didn't... The last place I didn't search. I didn't think of searching beyond death or mm-hmm. something like that. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that the, some of these sequences reminded me of Shadow of the Colossus. And that's it. The guy riding around on his horse looking for stuff. Uh, yeah. And like these vast vistas. Yeah, across the top of the mm-hmm. sand dune. Yeah. That shit was beautiful. That was very Skyrim, being able to climb those dunes and mountains like that. On the, on the horse. Back. Yeah, just <laughs> mashing. Yeah, just mash the jump you button. You see him just jump, trying to jump up these like <laughs> sheer cliff faces. <laughs> no, it's Shadow of the Colossus, and this guy can play Wander in the movie if they make Ugh, it. That'd be sweet. He's be way amazing. too old, though. But That'd still fine. be great. Yeah, why not? All right, uh, next up, Aki returns to his loop and gets purposely stabbed so he can be taken to the ones below, or taken by the ones below. The technicians call in their boss, who happens to be one of the technicians from the, like, 10 years after timeline that we see, the 10 years after Ford, or Arnold died, rather. The one that, uh, notice he's in Alpha Tube, or no, this is that scene. Yes. The ones that are resetting him for the grand opening. She's there. But now she's the boss. Um, She sees that his software is an Alpha 2 build and orders them to perform the update and put him back in the park, dismissing the fact that he hasn't seen an update in over nine years. Aki leaves the chair and searches the Mesa for Koha. He eventually finds her and the tribe leader's son, Blank, in cold storage. He returns the son's braids to his mother explaining that they'll never get them back, but he knows how to close the door that will keep them from the reach of the ones below. Uh, this is the scene with the cover of Heart-Shaped Box, uh, mm. the Nirvana song. That is fantastic. I listened to it like 30 times today. It's so good. It is very good. It was in the trailer. People probably have seen it previously, but for some reason it just landed so much better last night than it did in like the trailer for me. I wonder why the choice of that song over this scene. Uh, the idea of the heart again, giving of hearts. Yeah, I think it's kind of like the heart connected kind of thing. Like it's they, they, you know, I think I'm trying to think, what did I read? Why did, what did Kurt Cobain reason that the song was about? I know that. That's what I'm driving at, I guess. I know that uh, Courtney Love has like very recently stated that it was about her private parts, which is not particularly, she then deleted it and it's not what like the larger canon of Nirvana fans believe, I believe. But, um, her copy of private parts, (laughs) Howard Stern. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Of the, the movie about Larry Flint. Um, but I believe Kurt Cobain wrote the song 
when he saw like a documentary about children with cancer or something like that which you know i don't know that has a direct impact on this but i think it's probably the closest thing to like a like a love song that nirvana wrote you know the song's name came came from a heart-shaped box that love had given to cobain however cobain had originally titled the song heart-shaped coffin so maybe it's like about the fact that the ones you love end up being the ones who hurt you the most kind of situation Possibly. or you know the fact that his love of her ended up leading to her like death mm. that could kind of be the meaning that's but, cool yeah i'm uh, i'm always curious about the song choices i was listening to some of the covers on the way here actually like the westworld yeah. season 1 playlist and the fake plastic trees one is still my favorite yeah but there's some really cool stuff and uh Black Hole Sun. Well, it, really, the only reason is because Ford is a millennial. We've already been over this. This is classical music. Yes. This is classical music to, to uh, Robert Ford. Like in that great joke from Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> I feel like it references movie yeah. constantly. <laughs> Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, though? no. Oh, yeah. It's such a Absolutely, great no. line. You, you, you've, you've brought that up a lot. You've brought it up enough to make me want to rewatch the movie, which I haven't done. Dude, since it was so it was sweet. Theaters. It I was very good. I didn't expect it to be as good as it it's was. It's a great movie. But anyway, I thought that was such a great joke. I've seen it a couple other times, the idea that, you know, when we're all in our 60s and 70s, everybody's going to be listening to rap and like mm-hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers and shit, Yep, which is true and yep. uh, will be interesting. Ford is a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> For how many industries did Ford kill? <laughs> He's just only eating avocados. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Home Depot's dead because of Robert not, Ford. Not yet. Best Buy. <laughs> Ford doesn't buy physical media anymore. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people complaining about the fact that Aki was able to just walk around. But here's the thing about all that, and including the the fact that they just go, "Oh, whatever," like just upgrade him and let's get out of here, and not look into the fact that this dude hasn't come in for service in a decade. I think if it's close to the launch of the park and they're understaffed and probably don't have a lot of really well trained staff at this point, like I. I feel like in season one or something at some point we got the impression that near the launch of the park it wasn't going super well and they were it was a rocky start yeah it seems very very plausible that well that's kind of the fir- that's the first scene of him being under would be closer to that timeline this is just like 10 years later I guess so, so it could that's still true. be an that's issue true. but my kind of thinking of it all is that like these people felt that they were so safe and so far from something like what's currently happening right. in the show yeah these are these are product they didn't need to it was like there's no need to put a camera on the cows because they're fine you right know? Like, exactly yeah this is the equivalent of taking your mac to the apple store and they plug it in in the back and for sure go for lunch while it's updating like yep. to them it's right. it's that dull <laughs> absolutely so that that's why i can personally overlook the fact that it's kind of ridiculous yeah i don't think this is outside of the realm of plus we don't know what hour of the day he was there it might have been the graveyard shift yeah like it you know, right, there may have only been like four people working that night. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, what's the statistic of how many pilots fall asleep like in mid flight? <laughs> like this kind of shit just happens like, yeah. with every industry across every profession. Like the night watchman at the nuclear power plant or at NORAD is definitely asleep at some point. Like It's just human nature. There's a reason that the hosts are going to win. Yeah. Because we do shit like this <laughs> and they don't need to sleep and they have bionic arms. They do. <laughs> He had a beautiful line uh, when, when he first finds Koha. He, he narrates and says, that was the moment that I saw beyond myself. 
My pain was selfish because it was never only mine. For everybody in this place, there was someone who mourned their loss, even if they didn't know why. Which I thought was very cool. And again, lends to the like moral championing that I want to do of this guy because he's so good of heart and yeah you know yep he's he's just so much deeper than pretty much everybody else yeah yeah all right the next scene sizemore comes to apologize to mave and gets emotional and shortly after uh that he gets interrupted by the tech who he asked help from and the tech explains that her code looks promising but her fate is up to charlotte hale not a whole lot to say here other i hate than that tech yeah, that dude is he's he got just, he's he just, just the most punchable tech. He's a really bad Hunger Games like character <laughs> is what he just reminds me of. I just want to punch him. Slimy nerd. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> he definitely would play like a good like bad guy in like a Star Wars movie. Just seems like a slimy dork that would yeah, show give, up. give him like a Borg eye socket or something. Yeah, maybe like, so maybe he belongs in Star Trek. Maybe stuff. he's gonna have bionic arms too. <laughs> Everyone has bionic arms. It's the future. Yeah, everyone and does. Wouldn't you? Everyone's I mean, arms are bad. <laughs> if they offered it up and they're like, you could have bionic arms, you'd be like, okay, like why This not? is really just going to tie into the, the greater deus ex <laughs> right? cinematic universe. Yes. Television universe. Uh, next up, Aki explains that he dedicated his life to spread his knowledge of the maze and that he tried to help Anna and Maeve, but he failed. He was the one that carved the maze outside of Maeve's homestead when the man in black killed her daughter. This prompted William to search for the maze. Uh, yeah, no, very good. This is another one of the scenes where he switches to English and then back to Lakota. Well, and this this is because I, I mean, do we do they ever explain why Maeve was pulled from the homestead and put into the Mariposa in season one? Yeah, yeah. like because why well, I'm assuming it's because she saw the maze. Well, she sees the mate like it the, the grief up. of she killing her glitching. daughter. The grief of ki- well, she saw the maze on the rock prior right. to that, which didn't necessarily like wake her up. But Ford's theory was that the grief of having her daughter die in front of her, even though she was like never programmed to let that happen, was enough to like fragment her brain and make her conscious. Because then afterwards, he and and Bernard are trying to, like, calm her down and get her back to normal. Right. But she still stabs herself in the neck and, like, kills herself, essentially. Yeah. And then they reprogram her and put her in the Mariposa. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, this is that. This is building off of that kind of inciting incident there. But This is why I should have just rewatched the whole first season. It it can't hurt at this point. (laughs) I don't have time. I know. I know. I think Here. seriously every night I'm like maybe I should restart Westworld. Maybe I should just throw away 20 hours of my life again. <laughs> You're investing it. Yeah, <laughs> throwing away. You know, it's money in the bank. Uh, but I have to play Rainbow Six. I know. Yeah. There's so many hours in the day. I know. Uh, is this the scene where he has that line where he says it's easy to misunderstand intentions in this world? Yes, he says I wanted to help you, I wanted to warn you, but in this world it's easy to misunderstand intentions. God, that shit is so good. That is w- probably the best line of the episode. Yeah. Despite all the other amazing writing, that 
that line coupled with that shot of him looking through the windows, I just felt so bad. And I was like, man, what kind of asshole am I that I just assumed he was out for blood? <laughs> I mean, like, but that's the perception they want you to have, you know? I know it's brilliant. But, but again, they, they lay all the pieces out in front of you. It's up to you to make your way through the maze, you know, like there is a shot in season one of like one of them actually holding a knife up to Maeve, which yeah. doesn't quite line up. Like it doesn't make sense with all of this retcon. That's oh, kind of the continuity done. police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she could have been attacked by Ghost Nation on other occasions. Yeah, maybe not by Aki. He might have been doing his his walkabout. Yeah. Um. Or maybe that never really happened. Maybe that was part of her backstory to make her fear them. Maybe that's a memory that was planted. That's possible. God forbid their lore police aren't as on the A game as the Breaking Bad team <laughs> or the Elder Scrolls lore. Yeah, police <laughs> lore lore meisters. Yeah, I thought that line was remarkable though, and I think it's it is. I mean, if you're following the context and the and the clues and the evidence you have, yes, it's safe to assume that they are out to harm you. But it's it's interesting to always give it an extra beat of consideration. Yeah, that was such a Nolan thing to do. I hate to continually attribute everything to to Nolan, but it is very Nolan to give you a line like that and show you something you've already seen numerous times, to- numerous times, and then make you realize completely like, recontextualize. I was wrong it. the entire time. Yep, that's awesome. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on that scene? Nope. That was probably my favorite part of, this, of the episode. Yeah. Just that little moment. was so good. Very good. Very good. Um, one night, Aki... Uh, well, excuse me. One night, Aki stumbles across Robert Ford, scalping natives in the dead of the night, trying to understand how the maze got there. He analyzes Aki to, fir- to learn that Aki first saw the maze when the Deathbringer, who's Dolores, killed the creator, who's Arnold. He tells Ford about the door, and Ford instructs him to gather his people and head for the door when Dolores comes for him, him being Ford. Later on, Aki explain, or returns to Escalante after Ford's rebellion, and he sees Ford as dead. Uh, I want to play a little bit from this scene for you guys. I believe there is a door hidden in this place. A door to a new world. And that world may contain everything that we have lost. Including her. I built you to be curious to look at this empty world and read meaning into it. All this time, You've been a flower growing in the darkness. Perhaps the least I can do is offer some light. When the Deathbringer returns for me, you will know to gather your people and lead them to a new world. Keep watching, Akichita. A while longer. Hopkins, man. That was the most epic thing that's ever been narrated in my ears <laughs> without any visuals. Uh, Are your nipples hard? <laughs> Is it just me? I mean, I'm awake, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, just the fact that Ford, like, presumably in the timeline, this is somewhere 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you apologize? For this is somewhere where he's in the planning of his death. his own death, essentially, <laughs> right, right. which could be years before we we enter this series. Essentially, I mean, no, you know what? If this is after Maeve, Maeve's daughter was killed, then we know that this is within the year before. Yeah, I'm thinking this is pretty recent. This is the year before Man and the Man in Black entered the park in season one, essentially. So this is in that time frame somewhere. And there were some interesting questions on the subreddit of like, what did Ford really know at this point? Like, was he was he operating under Arnold's beliefs at this point that they can become conscious or not? Or like, was this the moment that made him realize that the host can become conscious? And to me, it was just kind of like a confirmation, not like, like I think in the, in the monologue that he gives at the end of season one, he kind of acknowledges that he, he realized Arnold was right. And I think this is like just another piece of the puzzle that was kind of like, it's happening right under my eyes. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but (laughs) to see Anthony Hopkins out there scalping people sitting in the middle of this tableau of like a bear fight (laughs) there's your bear yeah there's the bear you've been looking for what a a g that he's like this is where i'll work looks good it's set up all these lights and shit no one will bother me out here like what's bag and his little stool where is he why is here's the thing if you don't believe that a catch it, I can't walk around there without somebody saying oh excuse me like how is nobody wants there's no guy in in the security room looking at the monitor going what is Ford oh doing out there? Yeah, exactly. I want to know where they're hiding the outlets for those lamps. Like, where are they plugging those bad boys in? Are they all battery powered? I yeah. don't know. They're powered by sun radiation. Yeah, probably. He probably just powers them with his mind. <laughs> <laughs> He's already in the grid. <laughs> no, this is a wonderful scene. Uh, the reason, part of the reason, I mean, aside from all the other evidence, that it, this is very recent in the timeline, is just Ford has this kind of fatigue about him that he seems to carry in a lot of season one and a lot of the older flashbacks we see, he's not quite as like worn down. Yeah. He has this weight in this scene that I think is like, definitely he's kind of like, I'm at the end of my line and, um, I don't know. Something about the way he carries himself in it is, is really interesting. But, uh, it was a wonderful to see a catch done him head to head, just kind of chat it out. I mean, it feels We've seen a lot of hosts have these sort of, you know what? No, we haven't. We haven't seen a lot of hosts have really on on the level conversations with Ford where he's like straight up with them. It's pretty rare. It's pretty much only Bernard. So it's cool to see like creation and creator. Dolores at the end of season one. And yeah. That's like it. It's pretty cool to see creator and creation just kind of hash it out like this. Well, and this is quite literally like Flynn discovering the ISOs in Tron yep. of like you are... <laughs> You are a cre- you are beyond the creation that I made. You've evolved into something else. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's part of the reason it's so fun to watch. For sure, this is the kind of confrontation I want to see in Preacher season three. I need to see a conversation mm. like this between between Jesse and God. But well, that's Hopkins for a plays, whole other podcast. If Anthony Hopkins yes. plays God and Preacher, <laughs> why not? That would be amazing. He's already played Odin. Now he's playing Ford. Oh my God! Literally. <laughs> are your nipples hard <laughs> so hard <laughs> any other thoughts on this ford scene no it's really Beautiful. cool i want like a wallpaper of it 
I mean, it's a little grisly, but just the bear in the middle of it. And like yeah. the, the idea that this was happening oh, and Ford just wandered in with like his doctor's bag and it was like, Free, freeze. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, this will do. <laughs> it's like when you're playing a Far Cry game and you just stumble upon like animals fighting and, you, and you're just trying to either back away or get right. involved. Like one time I was playing Far Cry 4 and I heard all this noise and I like wandered over there and there was a bear and a tiger just fighting and I just like backed away slowly and left and, and then saved it because I was like, that was really cool. That was just happening. Beautiful. And I just wandered into it. All right. Uh, Aki gets called away from Anna because Grace arrives. I called her Grace. Emily arrives to collect her father. She speaks Lakota and Aki explains to her, if he is your father, then you know his sickness and the things that he has done to spread it. We cannot let him continue. Emily explains to him, we want the same thing, but my way will be much, much worse. The tribe allow Emily to take William away, and Aki returns to Anna, explaining to her that it's time to go, and that he's always kept her safe in English, and then he switches back to Lakota to apologize to Maeve for being unable to help her. Uh, all right. What's up with Emily? <laughs> what do you guys think? I maybe think she's not a host anymore. This episode kind of makes me like kind of back out of that position a little bit. Yeah. Because I, like I said, I feel like a knucklehead every time I'm like William and I'm like, oh, it's a host at Ford. And it's, and it's not like, come on. It's, it's a little vain. Carly Simon is singing in your, in your ear. Why don't you pay attention? I think she's going to emotionally try and like pick him apart and make him realize the mistake in his ways of what he's done to the family and everything. But tying into the fact that I think he's a host my theory is that she doesn't know that the hosts are going to kill him. She's going to see that he's a host and be like, Oh my God, like my dad's been dead forever or whatever. And the hosts are going to feel remorse for having killed one of their own unknowingly because they think he's a villain. Hmm. So hmm. kind of far fetched, but <laughs> just an idea I'm throwing out there by the bionic arm theory more. <laughs> It's, yeah. more, it's more convincing than you have been with the bionic arm. No, I don't know. I just think because because of the fact that like to to all the hosts, the man in black has always been a villain. Period. He's been nothing but this wrecking ball force going through the park and testing all of his limits. They know nothing other than that of him. Mm-hmm. And when they see him, they're scared of him. Until now, they realize like, oh, we can kill him if we want because there's nothing holding us back anymore. But the reality is, they can't really kill him because he's a host unless they kill his brain or whatever his chestnut acorn pearl, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's, what's going to happen is she's going to try and, and get like, take him in order to, to uh, basically just wreak emotional havoc on him. But he has no emotion anymore because he's basically discarded that part of his brain yeah. when transferring consciousness to this new body. <laughs> uh, and then the host will kill him. Dolores will kill him. I think Dolores is going to do it and realize that he was actually a host and that he was, like the most sentient of them sort of interesting and realize that they've made a grave mistake in doing so. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Well, and I was wondering like the sickness that they say he has and that he's spreading like personally, I was of the mind that like if we think about the times that Aki has interacted with the man in black, it was when he killed Anna and he killed Maeve's daughter and it broke Maeve. It like it has it turned Maeve into like this malevolent force that we 
ultimately kind of see in season one and has kind of taken a back seat in season two. Yeah, but he's made this like he's made this theme park where people can come and be whoever they want to be. Like he's the one who made he engineered the sickness, quote unquote, if we're using like the violence as the sickness. Yeah. Interchangeably here. Uh, And so he's now allowing other humans to come in and like spread that sickness of like, you don't you can do whatever you want here. You don't have to abide by any rules you want to rape and pillage you go right ahead you want to kill anything in here that's not an actual human go right ahead so like he's allowed that ability to extend beyond just himself to other people he's spread that like a virus so to speak Hmm. yeah did you have any thoughts nick Mm -mm. (laughs) i'm i'm so topsy-turvy with everything William that I'm just going to wait until the next episode yeah. before no, I that's fair. bother to speculate any further. I feel like I still think he's a human. I still think he's William. And we've seen, we've seen him interact with James Delos and stuff. Unless you unless, have to admit he's lost a lot of blood. Yeah. Or sand. <laughs> he's lost a lot of sand. <laughs> <laughs> he's the Oogie Boogie man from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> He's full of it's bugs. Just bugs and yeah. millipedes crawling out of his wounds. Yeah. If he w- if he was a host, if he was like Bernard is to Arnold, like a host made after William with like the cruel joke in Ford's mind of like making him think he is William and make him hate hosts and stuff, only to ultimately reveal, hey, you're a host and gotcha. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher comes out. I mean, maybe that's the game. <laughs> yeah, he <just> punked. Yeah. <laughs> it's like old Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. He's and, he, and Anthony Hopkins is actually comes, Sean William Scott. It's actually old. It's old Bill. Old Bill is played by Ashton Kutcher. Comes out with all his creaky little ticks and everything. That'd be sweet. But that's yeah. I mean that that would maybe that is the game. Like that's the end game for William is to discover that he is actually in fact a host and blows his own mind. You know, like. He becomes that's him like coming that's him working his way out of his own maze you know maybe i think anything's possible with william he has defied everything at this point that if he were <laughs> in the next episode to suddenly just blast off and fly away like nathan from heroes i'd be he like can, he can do that i'd be like <laughs> he can do whatever he wants man <laughs> he's just like he's got Spectre his bionic gadget. legs he's got <laughs> he's his got bionic legs too legs yeah. and just starts walking around you know, he gets his iron man legs going and he just launches out you know they give him the inspector gadget trench coat and hat and then he could, <laughs> could just make a little jetpack come out of him and <laughs> all right i'm gonna rein it in here <laughs> Fine. Oh, he's, he's the fun police too, not yeah. just the lore police. The lore police and the fun police. On to the, the final ones. scene of the no, episode. I, I, but in, in all actuality, I, I don't think she's a host anymore either. I think that they're both humans and the world they live in is just so screwed up that it's messing with both of them to a really insane degree. I do think I had a lot of fun watching Ford kind of corral William along and I kind of miss him not talking to him right now or not like intervening so i'm kind of hoping for another moment where i think we are missing something so key to the ford and william relationship that i hope we get by the end of the season yeah of it's like when ford starts speaking to william in his brain <laughs> i, I just want i want to i want to see something that gives us an inkling of what their relationship was like previously and i want to see the other question that i want answered is whether or not emily is a wild card in the situation or if ford put her there a for host. a reason yeah that that's not a host necessarily oh but he orchestrated but if he orchestrated her coming to westworld 
He is definitely a... If Anthony Hopkins possessed a tiger digitally. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We go back and like, <laughs> it's the same thing with Akechida and the wolf. And we see like shots of Anthony Hopkins running through the jungle. But he's, he's, he's the tiger. He's a tiger. <laughs> Oh, beautiful! It's just him running with like a really shitty mask and like no, that he's got face paint. He's yeah. wearing the tuxedo still, but he's got face he's paint on all fours, on. Yeah. like scurrying along. <laughs> beautiful. Yes. Now let me rein it in. No, I, I don't care. We should keep going on this tangent. All right. The final scene of the episode. Back at the mesa, the baddie ship tech explains to Hale that they've been trying to recover control of the park. Uh, while they've been trying to recover control of the park, Maeve has been in the park with admin privileges, commanding hosts on the fly via the mesh network. Hale recognizes that Maeve is doing this as they speak, and we cut to Aki explaining that he'll protect Anna as one of their own, and that if Maeve survives, to come find them. Maeve replies from her gurney, saying the words that Aki shared with Koha, take my heart when you go. Uh, awesome reveal. We've talked about it a little bit yep. prior to this. Uh, I was convinced for a few seconds that the Trojan horse that we've been speaking of is actually Maeve taking control of the park for Delos, but I don't think that's the case anymore. There were a few seconds where he, like the tech was figuring out what she was capable of or explaining it where I was like, Oh, they want to use her to like corral everyone, but I don't think that's how it's going to go down. I, I don't, think, yeah, I don't think they're able to at this point. I think, I think Maeve will, will gain the upper hand at some point here and hopefully get patched up or get a new body or something like that from the baddie ship. But the baddie ship. Any other? put in an old Bill's body and Michael Wincott has to do a Tandy Newton impression. <laughs> He's capable. Sold. He's a great actor. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts on that final scene? I just okay. So you were saying earlier that you don't think she was like any hardwired into the system it's at all. It's not that I don't think she was hardwired, but I didn't take that into account as like Professor X plugging into Cerebro kind of situation. Like that could be what it is. <laughs> She did do it. I just think she's Cerebro. Yes. Cerebro. <laughs> yeah. I just think she's become more powerful in that. Like she was able to to control the uh the mesh network, but now she can control the park if she's wired into their system. Yeah, I well and that's the thing. Like we haven't seen any of that yet, but that could totally right. and, happen. And I just find minute it minute one of next episode. That's the first thing I thought about when I saw her laying there with all the wires sticking out of her, and then that reveal happens. I was wondering like why Hale and Sizemore didn't just rip the cords out. Like that's the first thing I would have done, other than like what kind of corrupted hard drive are you gonna get for not ejecting the thumb drive properly? You know, like what's gonna happen there? <laughs> it's like, true, we talked about this. Yeah. So I yeah, I think they're just too stupid to know. Again, what's going it's on? It's a laptop to that guy. Yeah, for yeah, sure. and and I mean, to what extent? They don't know to what extent she's actually capable of doing anything other than obviously she's giving out orders or whatever. So yeah, it'd be cons- I'd, I'd want to know what order she's been giving out if they can see exactly what she's saying and doing to all of the other hosts. That's what I want to know is what. Hale's able to read the activity on the tablet, but we don't really know exactly what's going on. Or is she just speaking directly to Akechida? Like, is I she thought just it was just her, like, I to me, I felt like it was, like, her taking in a bunch of Lakota, and that's why is a mind Hale share. was like, what 
is even going on right now? It's a mind share. It's like in Detroit Become Human when the when the the cyborgs touch hands and they reveal their cyborgness and then they be they like share their thoughts through their touch. Yes, but it's a brain share through the mesh network instead. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. It was such a good episode. It was a very good episode. Yeah. Absolutely. You, I got, you have some feedback you wanted to touch on at the end. Here. Yes. Our friend Matt wrote in today and he said, hey, guys, super excited to hear what you have to what you think of what is now my favorite episode of Westworld. I very much enjoyed the fairly singular perspective of the episode. It made it easier to watch for the story instead of wondering where slash when I am or if anything is even real. Uh, this is the email that I must have mind stolen that idea from earlier on. So. Uh, I am very happy to finally see how Logan was found, even if we still don't know exactly who picked him up. We also now know that the probable catalyst for his drug use and craziness in the Dallas party scene with Dolores. Uh, There is lots more to expand on, uh, but I'll point form some other highlights for me. Uh, Ford has known about Akechita for a long time and let this play out and let him know in advance that Dolores would be his end. Akechita has been the cause and the, of the spread of the maze symbol, going so far as to hide it under scalps, and also didn't die for 10 years. And how bad is security that Akechita can wander, wander, presumably undetected for at least an hour, if not more? And finally, the best part, Dolores is the Deathbringer. If anyone had any hope left for her, surely it's gone now. Excited to see where this is going, Matt. Thank you, Matt, for writing in. No real questions or anything there, but I did want to share his thoughts. Yeah, at just least. the Deathbringer thing. Again, I, j- I think Dolores is just still running program. Like, she's just running code that Ford wrote for her, and uh, it's a guise to make her help wake up other hosts, maybe, and she's just operating under that. So I'm very interested to see what that end game is. Yeah. When, every- when everybody's at the, the uh, Valley Beyond... When everybody's arrived there, like it's, we're going to have a standoff, right? It's going to be like Dolores and I guess there's going to be two. There's two standoffs. There's going to be like Dolores there with, um, with Teddy and basically a catch is going to come there with people. Hopefully Maeve gets there if she gets out of the situation, like all of that stuff is going to come together. And then also later on, we're going to see the humans. We're going to see Strand make it there with Hale as well. And that's going to be some type of like, I don't know, who's who's hiding there and waiting for them as they speak. Yeah. Does Ake take Dolores down in some blaze of glory? William's, ha- William's got to be headed there too. Like, it's all converging on the Valley Beyond. And it's going to be very, very interesting. Nick, you had a thing that you didn't say earlier. Yeah, is that no, what you're heading things. towards? Okay. One, this is only season two. <laughs> <laughs> aren't there? Aren't they planning for six of these? I thought it was five, five or six. Five, something yeah. like that. Oh my that. god, I'm not even gonna be able to handle it. It's gonna turn into Dragon Ball, isn't it? Just <laughs> <laughs> eight episodes of William and somebody shooting at each other, just flying through the air. If I get to see Anthony Hopkins throw a Kamehameha at somebody, <laughs> I'm just—it's all worth it. Two Bernards do this and <laughs> fuse together. <Yeah. laughs> and the tech, the techs are sitting there with their boards, going, "Their power levels at nine thousand. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. But uh, anyway, that was one thing. Uh, the second thing, I just remembered what what this reminds me of. This reminds me of the episode of Lost about Richard, and I think it's season five. And if 
anybody listening has watched Lost, you'll recall what I'm talking about. But there's basically a whole episode devoted to this character who has existed, but not really been the focus of anything. And all of a sudden you see that this guy was like a, he was helping plan things behind the scenes for like a l- decades before things happened. And it's really good. And uh, I think a lot of people hated it. I think it's season five. I'm like 99% sure. A lot of people didn't like that season. I thought it was awesome. It was all like time travel and like crazy, like people meeting each other when they were young and not knowing it. And then it paying off like 40 years later and stuff. It's sweet. I, I really, I really loved it, but a lot of people hated that season, but I think it's my second favorite season. Is that the constant? I, the constant is, a, is about um, Desmond. Oh, okay. Okay. Also phenomenal. All right. But no. Joanna well, Robinson equated this to the constant. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it's the same episode. Maybe it's Richard. I, th- oh, I think the constant is season four, though. Either but way. It is similar. Yeah. Joanna Robinson, like, it. She like when she watched this episode on, like, Saturday or something like that, she put out this tweet that was, like, I'm sorry. I just, like, skipped past it. I can count on one hand the episodes of television that have shaken me to my very core. This Sunday's Westworld is one of them. And she had a frame of that, a frame of Lost with Desmond and his boo, I believe. yeah, Yeah. Hodor Mm -hmm. and uh, Giles from Buffy. So like a bunch, like a few different episodes. Hmm. Thematically, um, these probably all are somewhat similar in that they were about events that happened a long time ago that then... Recontextualized. That paid off later. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Lost, it's not so bad sometimes. <laughs> um, this has really made me want to go back and watch Lost. This season of Westworld has made I me. just want to watch all of Westworld. I am so I down do to too. watch all of Lost with you if you want to. Or at least not together, but like side by side. So Is that our next podcast? It. Is the full Lost rewatch? <laughs> Dude, do you know how many episodes of Lost there are? <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot. I'm game eventually, but <laughs> we could get Willie and I. Willie would love to do that. Oh, man, that would be pretty good. Willie would love that to would do be that. pretty good. There's not a lot of people that would love to watch every episode of Lost again, but <laughs> you, you know you know two of them. Yeah. Anyway, the big thing I wanted to talk about that I think is really cool that the show is doing is it seems like they are equating uh, the Native Americans in this show to actual Native Americans and like the fact that if you think about it from a certain point of view, uh, Akechida is kind of the original mm-hmm. of of the sentient hosts. And because he's kind of there first and he chooses the route of peace so far, and so we can maybe predict that he will try to do an option that is coexisting with other outside, you know, peoples, either Dolores, who is like the Westworld analog to like settlers. Mm-hmm or even humans, I think you could almost sort of reason that because Akechida was the original and he spread the this idea amongst his people and slowly started making... Because go- I think we can kind of assume that most of the Ghost Nation are awake. Yeah. That the Westworld is essentially theirs because they are the first people that have kind of inherited it and it belonged to them first. And I think we're setting up to kind of draw this parallel between actual Native Americans who effectively North America was theirs. Yeah. And then these outside forces came in and took it through violence. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're going to basically see that same thing happen or if they'll have a chance to kind of flip the script and have uh, those characters continue on or like inherit it essentially for themselves. Yeah. I feel like that's probably not going to the way it's going to go down because that might not be as good of a TV show, but I'm, yeah, I'm very interested to kind of see how it goes down. There's a lot out there about how, um, 
there's a lot of Westworld parallels to Native American myths and and religion and lore and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. That I was kind of say we should mention that Akechida's name in Sioux means fighter. Yeah. So like it, I think they have this interesting focus on natives that now feels like a backbone of the show off of this one episode right. that's coming late in season two, which is kind of insanity to me and very cool. I didn't do a lot of reading about this episode on on the on Reddit or any any other boards because like I said, it's pretty it's pretty satisfying on its own. But I did see one person it was one of the first comments I saw, he said, Yeah, I predicted this at the beginning of this season and I w- read his post. He links to his old post. And he basically had the idea that Ghost Nation were the original people that were awake and that it was like their religion is the idea that they are awake and there are these other people from beyond, essentially the the people below. And that uh, basically he laid it out where it, this was basically his theory. He didn't know, he didn't predict someone like a catch it, like one single person, but the idea that the ghost nation had been awake all along. And this kind of plays along with some stuff we talked about at the end of season one, the beginning of season two, because they were gathering all the people. We kind mm-hmm. of had this theory that they were either working at the behest of Ford or there some was other, something more or Elsie, some other force. Yeah. So we kind of suspected that there was more to them than just like these throwaway characters that that just exist but i really you know it could be coming off of both uh the new world and wind river and that kind of thing but this idea of a little more sensitivity to the the uh the history and the place of of these native peoples and how they play into it i think the show is is kind of addressing that it's doing it maybe too subtly to the point where it's not maybe it's not intentional and i'm just reading into it too much but maybe it's also there a little bit that they'll elaborate on a little bit more yeah we'll have to see kind of how it plays out but I think the, the idea that while all of these hosts were running around in little tiny circles on their own loops and Akechido was just roaming the world on his own, like exploring all of it, getting to see all of it, he's essentially the original person who Westworld should belong to because he knows every avenue of it, basically. He's been from one side to the other for 10 plus years and these people are just now waking up. Yeah. It feels like it kind of belongs to him. It kind of belongs to his people. And now, you know, this these uh, settlers are going to have to fight them for it. That's the valley beyond right there, man. Cowboys and Indians. So I'm saying the show is almost going to boil down to just Cowboys and Indians, yeah. which is kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah. As long as they don't end up with a casino or the, something. The uh, the narrative that he's on when we look at the at the tablet is called Cowboy Control. Is it really? Yeah, which is pretty, pretty right. great. There you go. He's out there skinning cowboys. Cowboy <laughs> Control. <laughs> That's awesome. It sounds like a Red Dead mission or something. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's it. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can email us at WestworldFM at gmail.com, like our friends Nevi and Matt, and tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for our episode this week, and we are excited for the next episode of Westworld. We'll have another episode of our podcast out after that, but until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.